The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. 1 Peter chapter 2, as we reverence together the reading of His Word, will you please stand with me on this Friday morning? And I want to read a few verses for you, beginning in verse number 21. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. The Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. And here it is, students, that ye should follow his steps. Verse 25, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The title of my message this morning is two words. Follow me. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for our guests who are here. They've come from all around the country. We're thankful for our students who are here from all across America and literally all around the world. We meet today in this place to hear you speak. We know that you are the unseen guest. You're not on the rolls at the college. You're not enrolled to be a college day's guest. But you're present. You're moving up and down the aisles, moving between the seats this morning, speaking to every heart, saying these two words. Follow me. May we hear and may we follow, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I was 12, I went with a group of young people my age. Of all things, the youth leader took us to visit a meatpacking plant in Cedarville, Iowa. It's what they call a slaughterhouse. Only went once at the age of 12. (laughs) I have no desire, Dr. Adkins, to ever go again. (laughs) But I'll never forget what we experienced that day. The uh, cattle were brought in on these cattle trucks and brought off the trucks and then were pushed through what was, in essence, a, a, a wide hallway, a chute. And there was a man who had uh, an electric prod. And the first prod, he would go up to the steer and put it right up in his ribs and pull the trigger. And when he did, the steer would immediately fall to its knees. Then while it was on its knees, he would take the electric prod the second time and put it back into the side and pull the trigger a second time and the steer would fall over. Then a man would come with a 
big hook. With the steer on its side, would take the hook and put it right in the stomach of the steer. And the blood would start to pour out, and the hook was attached to a chain, and they would pull the steer up, and hanging there with the blood draining, it would start to move on this conveyor belt and would make its way into the slaughterhouse to be made into hamburger. You probably won't think about this imagery when, as Dr. Land said yesterday, you go to McDonald's the next time and order a double cheeseburger. But then I found out this, students, that in the day they killed sheep in a different way. What they would do in the slaughterhouses where sheep were killed is they'd put the sheep in a big pen and then they would put a goat in with the sheep. And that goat was trained, goat would make its way and would circulate through the sheep and would, so to speak, rub shoulders with the sheep. And it wasn't long until one of the sheep said, basically, hey, I'm going to follow the goat. And as soon as one sheep started to follow the goat, then the second sheep started to follow the goat, and then all of the sheep would be following the goat, and then the slaughterhouse would drop down the staircase, the small step, like a ramp. It didn't have steps, but it had a ramp. And the, sheep, the goat would get on the ramp and would make its way up this ramp. And at the top of the ramp, the door would open, and the goat would go through, and they would close the door. And the sheep, one after another, would walk off the top of this ramp and fall to their death. Why? Because sheep are followers. When God picked an animal to describe men and women in the Bible, he said, we're sheep. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Our text, 1 Peter 2 and verse 25, for ye were as sheep going astray. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, we don't like that as human beings. We don't like the idea that we're followers. And my, Dr. Atkins is, is talking about the turkey bowl. Hey, and listen to those names that were given. Listen to the names in pro sports. Hey, we have the Panthers. We have the Jaguars. We have the Chargers. Have you ever heard of a sports team? They were called the Sheep. And the B team, they were called the Lambs. No, not on your life. Because we like the strength of animals, the independence of those animals, the freedom of those animals that have a caricature that are anything but sheep. And so this morning, students, I say to you from the bottom of my heart, I say to our college students, I say to our college days guests who are here, I ask you this question, 
who are you following? Because the question is not whether or not we're followers this morning. The Bible makes it clear we're hardwired to follow the question that Scripture gives us, the question that God Almighty gives us today is who are each of us as His children following? You say, Dr. Mudge, what does it mean to follow? I submit to you that when we follow Christ, we take action. When we follow Christ, we make decisions. When we follow Christ, we are anything but passive. We have full resolve to do something. And from the New Testament this morning, I want to show you Three actions of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, that are exemplary of us following, because as Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, Jesus left us an example that we should follow in His steps. Notice with me number one, Jesus is committed. Jesus took action to be committed. Jesus is the gold standard. From the days of his youth, of having a single mission to do the will of his Father. Remember in Luke chapter 2, when they had come to the temple, and so to speak, to put it in today's vernacular, they'd gotten in their minivan to head home, and they got with all their family. They said, where is Jesus? Now, <laughs> Mr. Roberts, I don't, I don't understand for the life of me how they could have left him. But the Bible's very clear that they left a 12-year-old. And, that they, and I, the, the second thing that boggles my mind, for, for those of you who are parents, and, and all the discussion today about helicopter parents, they obviously were not helicopter parents because the Bible says they went a whole day before they realized they didn't have Jesus with them. So they turned around and they went back into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that by the time they got back there, three days had transpired. And what did they find? They found Jesus teaching in the temple. Hey, man, who fed him? Man, where did he sleep? Oh, 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 man, his heavenly father took care of him. But there he was fulfilling his ministry. And mom came up and basically said to him, hey, we've been sorrowful. We've been worried sick about you, Jesus. And he said to them in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? When he ministered to the woman at the well, in John chapter 4, and led her to Christ, his disciples watched. And they said, man, he's pouring his soul into her. He needs to eat. They came to him and said, Master, can we basically get you something to eat? And in John 4 and verse 34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his will. 
In John 8, 29, he said, I do always those things that please him. On the cross, as we know, as he spoke that Greek word, tetelestai, he said, it is finished. Oh, yes, the work of redemption was finished. But you know what? The work that his heavenly father had given him to do on the earth, he finished it. Why? Because he took action to be committed. Young man, I ask you this morning, are you committed to the Lord? Young lady, I ask you this morning, are you committed to serve God? As was preached on recently, Romans 12, have you had that time? Remember when he gave to his disciples? In Matthew chapter 4, he said, follow me. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that immediately they forsook their nets and they followed him. They didn't say, well, listen, we need three weeks of counseling to decide. No, 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 no. Their obedience was instant. Is your body a living sacrifice? Wholly acceptable unto God? Which is your reasonable service? We live in a day of mediocrity. We live in a day of entitlement. We live in a day of lackluster Christianity. Young man, young lady, can I tell you, the greatest enterprise in America is not the corporate world, although God may call you to serve there. But may I just tell you this? You should give God the opportunity to serve Him in ministry if that's what God would have you do. You know what I believe with all my heart? I believe there are young people here that if they really went to God and said, God, I'll I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, including being in the ministry, you know what? You may just be surprised where God will put you. We have a young lady in the student body here, Jocelyn Tellman. Her dad was a businessman in our church. Six children. In a missions conference, God called him to go to Uganda. And people said, oh man, he's a businessman. You can't pack up Dr. Atkins. You can't take six children and move to Africa. Guess what? He made the commitment and he just said, I'm going to trust God. And man, has God blessed him in phenomenal ways. And so they went to Uganda. They've been there years now. And man, they have a, a, a wonderful church of about 300. They have a Christian school of about 150. They have a an orphanage with about 80, and now their daughter is a sophomore here at Pensacola Christian College. Why? Because a man said, Lord, you speak. Yeah, I could stay in the States, as Pastor Jim has said to me many times. Pastor, I was so comfortable with the American dream. Man, we had the house. We had the cars. We had the credit cards. We had all that we needed, all that we wanted. But you know what? He said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And you know what God did? God took that business experience and, 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 and just as uh, Dr. Cochran, you, you, you chaired the business department for many years here, just as you're now the academic vice president. You know this. There are hundreds of young people that God can use their business skill on the mission field all around the world. He can use it in Christian schools. But give him the opportunity. Jesus took action. He took action to be committed. But number two, He took action to be clean. 
The Bible says, verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Now listen to me carefully. I'm not here today to talk to you about all the the moral ills of the internet. I'm not here to talk to you about all the different types of immorality that are across the land. But I do want to say, Hebrews 13.4, marriage is honorable. And the bed undefiled. The Greek word there literally means without contamination. One man and one woman joining together in holy matrimony. The bed for them. There's no contamination. It's undefiled. But whoremongers, the Bible says, those who engage in sex before marriage, and adulterers, those who engage in sex outside the bounds of marriage after marriage, after being married, God will judge. I remember a day when preachers would preach on purity. Kids would sit in their ear, their ears would get red. They were, you know what I mean? It was just, just a... Yeah. It was something that made you, as the prophet said, made you blush. I know we're in the day when nobody blushes. In fact, in some audiences, people look at each other and sort of smile a little bit and chuckle a little bit and say, hey, who let this guy out? Then he realized this is the 21st century. Hasn't he read the news lately? Doesn't he know how we're living? Hey, hey, imagine how the culture's living. Young people, you don't need me to detail any of that. You know all that. But we need to be reminded. God says, I will judge a people. I will judge a nation who follow immoral practices. And while the wills of God may grind mighty slow, they grind mighty fine. And judgment will come. But that's not my thesis for you this morning. I want to talk to the young man, the young woman, who you've been involved in some type of activity outside of what the Scripture teaches, outside of what you've been taught by your pastor, but what you've been taught here at Pensacola Christian. The Bible says, Psalm 101 and verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. What did the psalmist know? (laughs) The the, the psalmist knew before any psychologist came out and said, as they're saying today, that internet pornography is more addictive than crack cocaine. What did he say? The psalmist said way back when when it was penned. I won't put wicked things before mine eye. Because they're going to cleave to me. 
They're going to stick to me like Velcro. So students, if the sleuth has come and you have ended up in a situation where you've gotten involved in activity that's outside the scriptures and outside of God, God's word, we don't condemn you. If you're a child of God, get it right. Confess it. Get it under the blood. Let me say to you today, from the bottom of my heart, don't be so proud that if you're into things that aren't pleasing to God and you say, Dr. Much, you have no idea the battle I'm in. You have no idea the fight. You have no idea what's happened. You have no idea how Satan has laid the trap and how he has lured me. And I cannot break this. Then go to PCC Cares. Go to someone you know. But follow the example of our Savior. And don't be passive about it. Take action to be clean. To be washed as pure as the driven snow. And you'll be thrilled that you did. Jesus took action to be committed. Jesus took action to be clean. Jesus took action to be courageous. Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Whoa. Anybody in here today getting weary? <laughs> anybody here today getting faint in your mind? Hey, you know what the scripture says? Uh, anybody here getting fearful? Anybody losing your courage? Uh, do you know what? You maybe need an adjustment. Maybe you're looking at yourself and the only conclusion you're coming up with is how inadequate you are. You will every time. Maybe you're looking at others and comparing yourself. And as Paul said, when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise because that's always going to be a dead end as well. But maybe you need not an internal look, maybe not an outward look, but you know what you need? You need an upward look. Paul told Timothy, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The prophet of Israel told the nation at a perilous time in Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, literally over for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Student, what are you fearful about today? Take action. Give it to God. Renew your courage. 
And let's walk out of here today being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Got some shoes on the platform. These are some old shoes. They represent a missionary named Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon is quite a story. Southern gal, grew up in an aristocratic family in the southern United States. God spoke to her heart, and the Lord said, follow me. Lottie Moon left a good job, left the security of a well-to-do family, and went to China. People didn't like her. People didn't listen to her. People in the States encouraged her to come back, but she said, I cannot. I've heard the Lord say, follow me, and I must stay in China. For 39 years, she labored there faithfully. When all of the conflict broke out, war and famine in 1912, in order to feed Chinese people, she deprived herself of food. And when her co-workers realized it, it was too late. She was desperately ill. They put her on a ship to send her back to the States to get medical care. But on Christmas Eve, 1912, Lottie Moon went to meet her Savior. These tennis shoes represent an athlete. You know his name, Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott got on a freighter bound for the jungles of South America in 1952. Jim Elliott had heard the Lord say, follow me, and he said, I'm going to do it with all my heart. In fact, he said, I don't want to go places where people have heard the gospel many times. He said, God, send me to a place where they have never heard the gospel. And the Lord put on his heart a tribe called the Aka Indians. In autumn of 1955. One of his teammates, Nate Saint, was in a small airplane, and he spotted the Aka tribe. It was the beginning of them dropping gifts from the air, and although the tribe had killed some people from the Shell Oil Company, they felt that they sensed receptivity and the leading of the Lord, and they landed the plane and had what they thought were some friendly encounters. But two days later, in January of 1956, Jim Elliott, four of his teammates, a total of five of them, were hacked and speared to death by the Aka Indians. If you go to Jim Elliott's college alma mater, have a big plaque in the administration building that says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott heard the Lord say, 
follow me. These shoes represent a girl who went to high school in the Denver metro area. She went to a school in the 90s called Columbine High School. Her name, Rachel Scott. On April 20th, 1999, when she said goodbye to her mother that morning after they had breakfast together, she could never have imagined what was going to happen as a killer came into that school. He apparently knew who she was. He shot her once in the leg, and then he said to her, do you love God? And she said, you know I do, and he shot her the second time in the head. And that teenage girl went into eternity. Her dad's traveled the globe, telling the story of her life in a book called Rachel's Tears. And a multitude have come to know Christ as Savior. What do these three have in common? They all followed the Lord. They all took action to be committed. They took action to be clean. They took action to be courageous. You say, Dr. Munch, there are no shoes on the stanchion. No. You know why? Those, that stanchion represents... Mr. Roberts, represents you. Represents you there with the, the orange sweat vest. College Day's guest up here from Atlanta, from Chicago, from Michigan, represents you. The Lord Jesus said, To a group of young men, follow me. And immediately they did. They turned the world upside down. You know what he's saying on this Friday morning? The same words. Follow me. Are you? Will you? Only you can answer the question. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.